Hello and you are very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host Sarah Travers and throughout the series I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. So today I am joined by Cormac Venney, founder of Hip Psychology. Cormac, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much for having me, Sarah. Oh, you're welcome. I can't wait to hear your story. But before we begin, I'm going to give a little bit of background on Cormac and his company. So Hip Psychology was founded in 2016 by Cormac and specialises on focusing on areas of performance and well-being. So after studying sports science undergrad and completing a master's in sports psychology, Cormac was a sports coach for Sport NI from 2010 to 2016. Here he saw firsthand the need to support young people with their mindset and resilience. He gained ideas to form a business after spending some time in America visiting various places that specialised in psychology and mindset. Cormac's passion for helping others eventually developed into a business and Hip Psychology was born. So Hip Psychology initially focused on sport, working across numerous sports and numerous levels and working with Ulster Rugby Academy until the end of 2020. Today, Hip Psychology mainly focuses on working with schools. And since 2017, Hip has supported over 300 school communities. Making a difference to the future of society is what drives Cormac's business. Hip Psychology also delivers keynote speeches in corporate settings and has supported businesses in the areas of mindset and resilience. So Cormac, quite a journey really to get to where you are today sitting across from me in the Public Eye podcast studio. But tell us a little bit more about yourself and where you're from and how you grew up. Yeah, um, so I grew up in Dundrum, uh, County Down, a really, really happy childhood. Uh, I actually grew up with in a house with four adults and no children, so I'm an only child. Uh, and I grew up with, I lived with my mum and dad, but also my granny and granda oh my. lived in the same same house. So my, my granny, I would have been really close to my granny uh, growing up till I was about 15 until she obviously passed away then. But even looking back on that, just, just I suppose the, the, the knowledge and wisdom you were getting imparted on you there without realising at the time as a child, like even granny would have always been saying to me, like, you know, about uh, be grateful for what you have. And when you actually look at it now, the what psychology literature is saying is that idea of gratitude in relation to resilience. Uh, you know, people are now you know making money on gratitude journals. Uh, you're seeing influencers on social media talking about this, and I, I'm pretty sure my granny <laughs> didn't read any uh, research psychology research papers. But just that that wisdom from from life sort of was imparted upon me. Um, very very close to mum and dad as well. So at a happy childhood. Uh, GA would have been immersed within me. Um, even by the time, looking back on it now, by the time I was 11, I had experienced, you know, the the sense of sheer euphoria uh, and also then, you know, a big setback. So in P6, we won uh, a county a county title um, and I scored the winning point and <sighs> it was insane. You know, there was like a, the pitch invasion, we got a, a, a bus tour around the village, we oh. were like local celebrities. celebrities yeah. So you had that then the following year, 
I was captain of that team and we didn't even get out of the quarterfinal stage. So I suppose I'm making that point in the fact that my childhood, I think, set me up for what life's about. You know, that idea of working hard to achieve things, but also that things don't always go your way uh, and how I've been bouncing back from things like that. So, yeah, that had a pretty happy childhood growing up in Dundrum, and I think that set me up for, for, for what was to come in life. And more and more, I think, we're looking to the world of sport to mm. help us cope with setbacks and challenges. Um, and you had that from a really early age, and you can remember the euphoria yeah. of the win in P6, but also the feeling like the frustration when it didn't happen the following year. Um is that what you bring now to your business? Uh, yeah, I suppose to an extent. Yeah, I've, I've got that um, understanding of of you know those different emotions through sport, and um, I suppose then I had a had a background as well in sports psychology. So, yeah, like I think that's probably what inspired me to become a, a sports coach in the first place. Um, so yeah, I think there definitely is a connection between you know how I grew up, the experiences I had growing up and, and where I am now. And tell me about the time in America because that obviously had a big impact on you. Oh yeah, um, so I suppose I was at a stage where I was coaching, I was kind of frustrated because I was seeing traits in children that I would have seen probably as maladaptive maybe, so maybe for example if things weren't going their way there was a tendency for some children maybe to, to, to give up or to be very critical with themselves you know their self-talk would have been negative their, their body language maybe how they were communicating with their teammates and I sort of at that stage I was thinking there's and even come exam time you would have seen a change in behavior mm. in children as well so at, at that time I was thinking right there's something here that can help these children I had a background in in sports psychology as well but I'd, I'd I knew there was something there that could be helping them, but I didn't quite know what it was. Mm. So I took an unpaid leave of absence from my, my job with Sport NI to go over the, to the States and just see, see what they're doing out there. So I spent time in three um, very different but amazing locations in Florida, South Carolina and California. Gosh. So one of the... Both two of them were, were, were particularly amazing. Um, IMG in Florida which is it's unbelievable it's it's a it's a it's a sports complex but it's bigger than it's bigger than Dundrum basically it's it's incredible like they, they would specialize in tennis so you had Serena Williams come through there as a child Pete Sampras there's a wall of champions up I've got I was on my social media actually it's incredible that the, the people have come through this as, as youths but they uh, they had 16 uh, mental conditioning coaches alone working within this program hold so on a minute 16 S mental conditioning coaches. Yeah. I don't even know what one mental conditioning coach would do, but what would, what would, how does that work? So for that summer, what happens is there's, there's children come and stay uh, and get training across. There's lacrosse, basketball, American football, like a range of sports. So there's specialists who, they're basically like full-time athletes for say two to three weeks. And they get the, the experience, the coaching and the expertise of these full-time athletes or that this full-time sort of environment. So I was able to, you know, sit in and observe how this was happening. So the IMG, I learned a lot in terms of they would have been, the mental conditioning coaches would have delivered like sort of workshop-based things with the pupils. So that they talked around the concept and there was, America was slick, edutainment. So we oh. educate give them strategies but we entertain so it's how you tell the story how you explain so these things fun 
And that's the concept that hip psychology sort of um, delivers within schools as well. We try to educate pupils, but we try to give them practical strategies that can improve life or improve whatever area we're working on. But it has to be delivered in a fun format. So I was there, and then I spent uh, a week in... Um, hanging out basically with the, the postgrads in, a, in a, a university complex and for a week of their placement they were spent a week in and I, I got to observe this as well which was amazing in a correctional facility so it was delivering life skills to young people who were you know I suppose how would you put it of just life has they've just maybe took the wrong track in life mm. so that was that for me was an incredible so this experience. was actually in a prison setting yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and I would imagine that those American prisons are, are tough. Yeah, yeah. But oh. there, it was a youth correctional facility, so it was particularly hard to see because you'd maybe 13 and 14-year-old, 15-year-old children in this. And, you know, it's probably, the, the, there is it probably more as a default or a, a byproduct of just the environment they've grown up in. And was it making a difference to actually start exploring their mindset and their resilience? Was it, did you see impact from what was happening? So the story behind this was, that it was done over a week, so Monday to Friday, um, and Friday they finished with like a whole team-based day. So the young, the young, I suppose offenders is the word. They were they got released on a particularly if they were getting released, it was every Thursday. So there was one in the, one one young fella who he put off his release by a full week so he could stay to take part in the event on the Friday. So Gosh. that that. That for me was said it all. Mm. So you learned an awful lot there, um, and you and you came back. You came back home. You'd been working as a coach in Northern Ireland mm-hmm. before. So how did that compare with with what was a, was taking place in Northern Ireland at the time? What, what they were doing out there, mm-hmm. it was a different setting from what I was doing. So my coaching was uh, active communities coach. So a lot of my work would have been with special needs, um, special needs. Uh, girls and over 50 so it was underrepresented areas of sport that our program was tapping into so it kind of was very different from from what was out there we would have been doing a lot of work in primary schools as well and that's kind of where i was seeing the main frustrations in terms of what inspired me to go out to the states um but yeah it was was two different worlds two different environments and what did you do with that knowledge then that you brought back started hip yeah so why hip? Where did the, the name come from? Well, it's originally helping improve performance. So ah. at the core, that w- like what motivates me is helping others. But uh, <laughs> there was a, a teacher in one of the schools we delivered was like, yeah, that that really is that's a hip approach you have there. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I was ki- but it was kind of like a. Um, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's I very thought. Hip of. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, that's not uh, the the concept behind that. But psychology is in there because we what we deliver is on the psychology of learning, well being, behaviour, performance. So, um, and everything we do is is evidence based. I've got that that educational background. So I think it's important that that what we deliver is of uh, there's it's of sound sort of research based and whatnot. Well, obviously, there's a real need for what you're doing. I'm just wondering then about the business models, mm. given that this is primarily a business yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you've supported over 300 school communities. Yeah. We said that in the, in the introduction. But how do you get into schools in the first place? How does it happen and how how do you deliver what you do? So uh, initially it would have it was, it was difficult. Absolutely. It was tough. Was uh, it just you starting? Yeah, it was just me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
though I had a bit of a safety net for the first couple of years because I was there was a uh, the, the role with Ulster Rugby was, was relatively big. I was doing a wee bit with Darren GAA and did a bits and pieces with other sports places. Now that that in itself and alone what wasn't enough to earn a living. Never mind start a business, but it gave you. It gave you a safety something. net, something mm-hmm. there, and then there was you're at a time where you could have been working on things. So I suppose I would have initially it would have been cold calling, which was uh, I know. <laughs> um, <calling>. uh, <laughs> I'm sure there are many listeners going, "Oh no, uh, not the cold yeah, calls." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hi, I've got, I've got hi. S- yeah, you wanted to hear about my business? <laughs> Awful. Yeah, so there was that, and then I went to uh, uh, randomly went to a principal conference one year. And it was, I suppose, a few months in the original, uh, the, the journey of hip. And the guy that was doing the keynote, I got chatting to him and he asked, would you open for me the next day? So, no, it was in the morning of it, actually. He asked, will you, will you open for me here? You had no idea no this idea. was going to happen? No idea, no. So you'd just gone al- along to as attend? As an exhibitor. To, as a, oh, as an exhibitor. Great. Yeah, so okay. I was trying to sh- sell him a business. I was uh-huh. chatting to him. He was doing something around maybe CBT or I can't remember specifically what, sir. But he asked me to get up, and my heart was sure. absolute. But I was like, I have to do this. This was the best opportunity. Yeah, this was yeah, it. Yeah. And you have a captive audience of yeah. all the mm-hmm. principals in Northern yeah. Ireland. Well, so no, it wasn't all the principals in Northern Ireland. Oh. There was it was a Lisburn principal area, but there was probably about a hundred principals there. So it was. Oh, it was oh, a big that's room. pretty good. So big tell room. me what? How did that go? It went well. well it went fairly well. Um, I think he had been, <laughs> to be honest, he had been struggling. So as as the initial speaker, so I think he wanted to, to freshen it up to do something just get to different. get people thinking. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. So I, I can't even. I think I spoke about being in the present and you know even the day ahead about having a specific goal of of what excellence will look like by today i, I can't even remember sir what i what i spoke on but i got through it anyway well, but good for you for getting you took that yeah opportunity well, and you, you have seize to, the moment seize the day have to lean into that fear sometimes <gasps> um oh, look, that's a great life lesson i think and we'll talk y- more about that yeah in a minute but, but so what happened after that well, we got a few sales out of it from that uh, and then get into them schools, word of mouth, small, it's a small region, you know, uh, good news travels fast, you know, if you're doing well, that word of mouth, and it just generated traction from that. Yeah. Uh, so I suppose to me the big thing is going in, is going in and, and doing a good job, mm-hmm. you know, that's... And obviously with school budgets so tight, mm. uh, that's one thing to consider, but also I'm sure many principals are so aware of the mental health problems yeah. and the societal problems that are out there at yeah. the minute. And and you can bring a solution. Mm-hmm. So tell us what you actually do when you go into a school. How does it work? Is it a one-off or do you it, do a programme? It, it just depends on what the school wants. So we've got, for primary school, we would have six sort of main workshops we deliver. So it's kind of seasonal. So if we take it from the start of the year, so September and October, we generally have a workshop around excelling with pressure. So that's given people psychological skills to help them deal with just different pressures in life. So that's primarily delivered. It's delivered around September and August time because that's when the transfer test is, but yeah. it's not a transfer workshop. Uh, so it's looking at all different pressures the pupils be facing, but it's just popular at that time of the year, as mm. you can imagine. But you can't say there's pressure <laughs> at yeah. that time of the yeah, year yeah. to pretend that it's just all coincided. Well, no, it is. Even if you think around it, like there's been pupils there that'll be playing in football finals. There'll be pupils that'll be having to get up and do public speaking. There'll be pupils that are doing music uh, tests. So it's it's it is transferable. Uh, across all to adults life. as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm wanting to hear more. <laughs> so excelling uh, pressure. pressure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, November is anti-bullying month. So 
um, with an anti-bullying workshop. So originally that was in school, but post-COVID with the whole shift in uh, cultural shift in terms of like the normalization of things online, we moved that online. So that was a massive success because 2019 we would have been working with 350 children across that week we moved it online where there's multiple schools can join simultaneously ah. so that that number the, the impact of working with 350 children post-covid we're now working with about 5,000 children that week so that's incredible mm, yeah. so covid again brought benefits to the business yeah well i uh i was there's a, a friend of mine who mass really really successful businessman and i was chatting to him around covid time and i was a bit you know you were down and mm -hmm. things were tough and I always remember a line he said it was something along the lines of crisis will create opportunities for those who can adapt and i just thought oh, bingo bingo mm -hmm. that just uplifted me so and that came that came to be true there as well. So we've And mental health became such a focus as well yeah. because young people were really struggling. I, I often think, you know, young people and and and, and the older mm -hmm. population, they were the two that Hugely. really missed out in their childhood and missed out in those valuable later yeah. years. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and there's still, even now, there's still a fallout from the legacy of Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Like Are you seeing that in the kids? Yeah, we, um, we ran over Children's Mental Health Week, which was, back in February there, um, again, another, so there's, that's, we put out in November time surveys to staff, for, to teachers around what, what area do you feel you would like children to be supported with, and the big thing came up was anxiety, so um, that, that was the initial point, we then put a follow, a further follow survey up asking right, what specific, like what are you seeing in the children, so a big thing was post-COVID, so from that we went about work about putting together a bespoke workshop we hadn't got in place yet around tackling anxiety. So we then ran that over Children's Mental Health Week, again online, and again we got, the, you know, we were able to impact around four and a half, five thousand children from that. So I suppose anxiety would have been a big a big thing that's coming um, post-COVID within our children. So you have Excelling with Pressure, Anti-Bullying, Anxiety, what other Um Primary Seven Transitions. Okay. So that's... Um, Changing schools. Cha yeah, cha change huge. and challenge, basically. Change. And challenge. Um, uh, what else do I have? That's a good question. We've got resilience, so that's enhancing resilience. And then we've uh, three pillars of growth. So that's growing through setbacks, growing emotionally, growing together. Gosh, the resilience I want to sign up for <laughs> Our resilience looks at uh, three concepts. Hunt the good, which is... Um, a concept we took from the US military. Again, we'd have learned a lot about what's going on out in the States. Um, so the US military are actually the biggest investors of resilience training across any organization in the world. Right. So we took that concept from that. That's just the idea of trying to create optimism on a daily basis. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. That is actually transformational. I tried that last week because somebody had said something similar. It wasn't yeah. hunt the good, but it yeah. was 
in every difficult situation look for good. Yeah. And that really works. You won't think it until you try it and you have to try it, don't you? You literally can't remember in a crisis to do that necessarily. Uh, Every day you should start thinking, where's the good today? It's it's we we would try and create that uh, so we would deliver that within staff development as well. So we work with staff, but we got a got a so WhatsApp or an email, a, a really nice uh, thing after we had delivered in staff development training of a, a hunt the good section in one of the classrooms. So that teacher took it upon themselves every single Friday. The last thing that that class did on a Friday was reflect back on the week of the good that occurred. So what you're doing is you're you're embedding that then as a habit, and that almost creates that culture of resilience within within your classroom where you're actively, as a teacher, actively, you know, trying to implement them strategies. And, you know, like that's that's obviously going to feed down into the children then. That's brilliant. Mm. And they leave on a Friday afternoon not thinking about the bad thing, but about the good things. And sometimes, well, you will know this as well, we are so hardwired yeah. to just focus on the one bad thing. Yeah. And we don't maybe observe or celebrate or appreciate the good things. As human nature, you know, I um, put uh, feedback out from, you know, our online workshops and, you know, you'd be getting ratings of 10, 10, 9, 10, 10, and maybe an 8, and you're like, what? You're focusing on that, What's you know. What's the 8? So who, what, who wrote that 8? I'm going and looking at their comments. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's, I think it's, it's human nature at times so as how well. how do you hunt the good whenever you get an 8? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I suppose um, it's just trying to, to logically rationalise it. You know, someone's, that person's 8 might have been another person's 10. It's just, you exactly. know, it's different people view life differently. That's it. And, you know, even the feedback from, from young people, um, I'm trying to thank you. Is it difficult to get a testimonial, you know, when other people are, have a business and they have customers? And I think adults kind of know how to frame a testimonial. But is it, what do the young people say? Do they do they know the difference that this is having on them? Or is it just something they've had to go to No, they generally, like, they've had fun. That's the big thing. And they've, they've learned simple strategies that... that makes a difference um so yeah we would like we would work as well with post-primary um so right the way up till we up to up to upper sixth so we work from p4 to upper sixth and everything in between now we are we have a plan in place over the next six weeks to go down or sorry the next 12 weeks to go down the school we'll get that in, uh, i suppose later on but but for the older pupils probably they're able to a bit more self-aware to be able to to to, to reflect uh and make sense in i suppose in a how would you put it, like uh, verbalise. Yes, and being mature enough to actually process and even understand what does reflect mean. Yeah, yeah. So a 10-year-old or 9-year-old tell you, yeah, we had fun, we learned new things, it was great. Fun is the number one. Absolutely. Uh But yes, are they actually going home then and applying the learning or does it just happen? Well, I suppose from our end, we try to embed it within the in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Then, so it's 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 up. To, we would leave resources. We would follow up with staff. But it's all ultimately we'd go in and set the scene and generate. You know what it's about. Have fun with it. But then it's up to the staff to really embed those best practices within the school. So for that children's mental health week, one of the the comments was from the teachers, unbelievable, great, enjoyed it. Uh, I'm I'm in the process of creating a poster to um to embed that within 
you know, within a classroom. Great so, idea. so the yeah. teachers then you help them with ongoing things, yeah. whether it's that reflection at the end of the week or the poster, yeah. so that the, the momentum continues. Yeah. It's such a great idea. You keep saying we now, so how's the business now? Oh, um, yeah, so it's not the royal we, any <laughs> no, 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 there's I've got uh, there's two of us presenting, so Carlos, um, and myself, Carlos, uh, Carlos is amazing. Absolutely amazing person. Where did you find Carlos? Carlos um, came over to Belfast when he was eleven from Portugal, oh. and he doesn't ha- he didn't have a word of English. Uh, so Carlos went to St Joseph's in Ravenhill. He graduated. He went to university, and randomly the chairman of Breda GAC was having a Guinness in the Parador one evening <laughs> in the Armour Road, made my own business, and the chairman of Breda asked me, "There's a guy that's doing psychology and." Would you, he wants to talk to you? He's a member of our club. Would you have a chat with him to see if, he, if there's anything you could do? So Carlos came on. He was second year at Coleraine, and he came on and did his placement with me. He then graduated, and as he was graduating, the business had grown to the extent where we could bring him on full time. And it's one of the best things that <gasps> teachers. He was sent to you. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but the pupil children love him. Absolutely love him, and he loves he loves delivering. He loves presenting. He's so flamboyant, and you know it's like I try as best I can that he's out delivering because it's what he's passionate about. It's where the strengths lie. So, you know, Fantastic. trying to let him at it. Um, and I'm sure too, having that experience of coming to Northern Ireland, aged 11 mm. with no English. So, you know, we've we've got a much more diverse uh, society yeah. now. And yeah. just even being that person that's had that experience, because I think kids kind of go, yeah, all right, but, you know, tell me about when you were a child. Does yeah. he do that? Does he incorporate Yeah, he, he does actually. He was telling me there, like I... So I would we would go through the, the fundamentals of the workshop and what the workshop looks like, but he he can then like you give him a license just to to, yeah. to, to improvise and he was telling me um uh, that he was able to to relate to the children about the anxiety. He, he also he's not mind me saying he has dyslexia as well. So in that anxiety workshop he was delivering it to the year eight. So he went out into the schools. I was delivering it online. So he was telling me that he was giving examples of things from his life of coming over here, you know, with no English um been dyslexic and he says there was a few children came up who had just moved over or had mm-hmm, been you know mm-hmm. from a different country other children who had experienced that dyslexia as themselves so he was able to connect and relate to them through personal examples and you know it's not something we had discussed beforehand before you know going out to deliver the workshop we had the framework in place but he sort of just went off yeah, off left field, and that's well, great think left field. Well, I that's how you connect, great, isn't yeah. it, with your own story Definitely. and sharing, especially yeah. for some of the things that when when you when people see that you've been vulnerable to, yeah, 100%. they can relate to you. Yeah, so as well as Carlos, we've uh, had two uh, students come from the university as well that we would, um, who are unbelievable researchers, Victoria and Rachel, so we've been very, very lucky to team up with um, the universities to have uh, those two join the team as well and it just it adds so much more um, skills and expertise in addition to what Carlos and I have so I think I have to give a shout out to them as well Sarah. Absolutely. Now obviously I keep saying I want to sign up for all of these courses <laughs> but that's what you're realising too that the adult world <laughs> out there and businesses as mm. well can really learn from the stuff you're doing and you've kind of broken into that area too. To an extent Sarah, um, we would do a lot of work with adults, a lot of staff development schools so we would do a lot of work there I've worked with a few businesses, give a few speeches, uh, conferences and stuff but it's always sort of came organically so say you've um, you have Angela who works in PR for the Health Trust or something, her best friend is 
Mary, who's a principal yeah. in a school. Leave it this Very guy Northern in. Northern Ireland. Yeah, leave it this guy in. Give him a shout. So I've had quite a few businesses contact me. Some we've went in and worked with. Um, others, it just hasn't been the right fit, and that that's fine as well. But well, I mean, you've you've you're you're in a niche at mm. the minute, and you, the market's there. So I suppose you can't do everything. Well, ultimately, our, I suppose I've struggled with this idea of having like you know a vision, a, and I've wrestled with it. And I think I've I've got to that place now. I got uh-huh. it, I, I came to this epiphany walking up Cave Hill there in January time. Uh, That's <laughs> only Cave Hill can do. <laughs> you know, it is so fabulous up but, there. But but I, I sort of want hip to be at a, a place and where we're delivering. Um, delivering these types of programs the P1s and CEOs of businesses and everything in between now that might take might get there it might take 20 years but I just think having something to keep striving for and, and keep having the goal having that yeah. long term goal and aligning your actions to that so over after having that sort of thought moment I was thinking well we're Where's the shortfall, the immediate shortfall or the immediate short-term goal? So that was, I was thinking, with nothing in place for primary ones and twos. So mm-hmm. we were getting nicely tortured from schools about this. And I was always having to say, no, we're working on it. And then I was like, I'm, I'm actually paying lip service. I need to do something about this. So we contacted uh, a school. Um, I met um, a P1 teacher through improvisation. I I'm do improv as well. That's another story for another oh. day. So there was a... And I was chatting to her about it. She's like, if anything we can ever do for you, let me know. So she said that to me in September this year. So I had, I got in touch with her about January. And like, right, what? W- how would you feel if we came in and delivered a 12-week program? You and I put it together t- to your pupils. So she says, I'll have to run it by the boss, run it by the principal. So we're going into school now after February. We're going to run a 12-week program with her P1s, uh, pilot that. And then by the end of that, that'll be... That'll be another strand of the business, what we can offer. So what was the need there? What what were the issues in P1 and P2 that needed addressed? Well, we're, it's, it's, so I went through what we're currently doing up the school. And she's like, they are absolutely 100% all needed down the school. So it's just how that's going to be. And how you reach them, how you a reach much them. younger audience. Mm-hmm. And do they mm-hmm. even understand yeah. what's, what's happening here? Yeah, so she's, well, the idea is that we'll work on it then. She, Catherine, she's called Catherine to deliver at week one. We observe. We then deliver week two the exact same thing she's delivered. So th- that's kind of, they're getting it. It's just like they probably won't remember Cormac. This was <laughs> no. only joking, but... Um, no. But, but, so... We pet. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> our workshops are traditionally around 80 minutes. For that, it's going to be a 35-minute one, 40 minutes. So we're, we're, going out, we're going to do some shopping soon, so we're getting puppets and all sorts uh-huh. of crack. Like, so, yeah. so, yeah. So that's been a challenge for you, hasn't yeah. it? Very um, different to Ulster Rugby. <laughs> <laughs> what were yeah. you doing at Ulster Rugby? So I was uh, delivering performance psychology support for their academy. So their academy is between leaving school and being a senior, getting a senior contract. Now, a lot of them we would have been supporting. A lot of the guys there would have been playing seniors regularly. But they wouldn't have, they would still be in the academy program. Whereas there's, so th- you've that range right the way down to ones that are just, uh, that have just left school and are just finding their way and what it yeah. means to be a, a, a professional athlete. So you had ones that were really flourishing. You had other guys that, that maybe weren't going to make it. So you were, you, it was, a, you were having very different conversations. But primarily, I worked alongside a girl, uh, Kelly Fay, who's now living in Dubai. Excellent, excellent sports psychologist. Learned so much from Kelly. Learned a lot from also the rugby environment as well. But it would have been primarily one to ones with players. We would have done uh, some coach 
uh, support as well. And then we we would have integrated some principles in the training as well, which was fun, really, really fun. So that would have been a wee bit as well, I suppose, in terms of helping the guys set standards and culture and, um, I suppose, creating leaders within them themselves. So it was it was a brilliant five years. I absolutely loved my time there. I learned a lot there. met some brilliant people, real good friends, some guys now that are that are actually going on and representing Ireland. So, and seeing them and their journey from, you know, just coming out of school, even at, at, at the start we were working with them at, at, at fifth and sixth year. So there's one player in particular I worked for, with from a fifth year doing his GCSEs to, to now you see him, I actually see him in the Armour Road quite regularly, he lives not too far away from me, but he's living his dream as an Ulster also, the rugby player. There's our That's Irish amazing. international. No names. I'll not ask. No, you to no, tell us, no. But, but there's all, incredible. But there's other players who haven't made it. Who you know, and you, you have to help them redirect. And right. I got a I got a phone call two weeks ago from uh, a guy who was who, who didn't make he didn't make it, but he's now teaching. He's now a teacher out in Dublin, um, and he was he's a PE teacher. He's going for a head of year interview. He was saying about you know maybe about possibly coming in to work with his students. So you know you, you just it and it was lovely that that to me means as much as the guy who's you know flourishing. What? Absolutely, it's just something that we should probably just talk about for for a second because mm. that is huge. And there'll be many people listening to this, maybe parents, and they have a young person who's very promising and all of the investment yeah. that goes into you're really good at this sport mm-hmm. you work hard at this yeah. and you'll get yeah. to this goal and then you've invested all those years all the sacrifices that you make mm-hmm. as well and then it doesn't happen and that must be very common yeah so i suppose the big thing there is that it's not peter the rugby player you know they're a person before they're a prof- they're uh, not athlete. defined they're as not the rugby def- player. And th- maybe that's w- what's been wrong. They have been. Yeah, it so can't long. be. It can't be that sole focus of their identity because if you think of yourself as just a rugby player, and that's then taken away from you, well, well who am I then? You know, that I almost made it. Yeah, yeah. So, and even at the, the conversations I've been having with the, those guys as well is, like, yeah, you've you've invested and haven't made it, but you've still an array of desirable traits, skills built up there, like your ability to organise yourself, your understanding of being able to perform under pressure. Yeah. You know, the commitment you've invested as well, you understand what it takes. So That has not been wasted just because you perhaps didn't make that final team, but you're a much better person for for the investment. 100%. And that can be redirected Mm -hmm. into a teaching life, a corporate job, a, a, a building site, whatever, you know, Anything. wherever you want to, you know, whatever area you want to go on, you know, I'm not one getting my hair cut in the same place. He's roofing now, but he's, he's flying at it. It's his own business in place. So, you know, it just, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not, it is obviously you're in that environment to try and, to become a professional athlete, but if you don't make it, you know, there's, you, you, you reroute, you redirect and you go again. Um, you know, I'm springing this on you because I haven't asked you for, for the, anything about this bef- beforehand, <laughs> but I'd love to know if you had any tips for anybody listening today, um, you know, who, who struggles at times maybe with resilience, mm. with mindset, with mental health. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, it's it's something that, that, that is affecting so many people and businesses are very concerned too with the well-being and, and mental health of, of, of their employees or their staff. But you know, what would you say to people right now if they had concerns or they hadn't perhaps addre- addressed an anxiety or a, or a sadness? 
Yes, big things talking, mm-hmm. speaking out. Um, for me, that's the thing, and having your people around you who that you, you can go to, you know, your tight circle. Like, th- th- and that was one of the messages from that anxiety workshop with we did with the pupils. We looked at an exercise actually that that happened, and we showed them Britain's Got Talent, where Aunt and Dak paused the show for a minute for the people at home to talk. So we we looked at that in the classroom oh, as well. Brilliant. Yeah. So speaking up is a big thing, but there's things you can be doing. Take in charge of the brilliant basics. You know, like. I give the analogy to staff as well, and it's just how I see things, sir. Is like life's almost like a table, and we've got le- like I call it keeping your table stable. So we've got legs that there's three important legs for me. You've got your your work leg, your professional leg, your health leg, and then triple F, which is fun, family, and friends. So that's the social side. So you you want to be inv- like investing time in behaviors and actions that keep each of those legs strong. So if you imagine any table, if you were to remove one of them legs, it becomes wobbly. If you take another leg away, it's really, you're in dodgy yeah. territory. So I kind of like even looking at, like for me, like f- say for example, your health leg, there's there's things you can be doing that's going to keep that strong. So movement, um, trying to get your sleep in, what you, what you eat, you know, they're the brilliant basics of, of mental health that you, the big thing is you have complete control over them as well. So that's kind of at a, yeah that's suppose no that's great and mm. i think it's something that uh, that's that uh, that applies to every age doesn't yeah, it yeah. um but when you're going out and you're starting in schools what's the most worrying thing you're seeing at the minute in, in schools oh, good question because um, i think i personally look at what young people you know are dealing with now mm-hmm. and the pressures and the whole world of social media yeah. as well, living online, that connection has really yeah. gone. Thank goodness we're back out again and yeah. we can play and things like that, but it's not the same. I suppose it's just different for different ages, but probably in the teens there it is, it is the social media and yeah. that comparison, you know, comparing yourselves to others is, for me, is what's the saying about comparisons, the thief of joy. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of merit in that and we, there's a brilliant image um, that we would show students as part of our one of our resilience workshops, the older students, where you've you've a picture of of this lovely shiny apple, and it's in front of a mirror, and then at the back of the apple, it's been you know it's bitten, all bitten mm-hmm. into. But all you can see in the mirror is the shiny part of yeah, that apple. Of so you know, and that's the big thing. The pupils as well, they're comparing themselves. So they're comparing the, their life to someone else's best life. That's it. So if you're maybe feeling some people feeling down, you have a tendency to scroll on social media. So you're you're at your worst. You're feeling down here. You're looking and thinking someone else's life is is at the top of it. You know, they're it's not sharing their misery or yeah, their sadness yeah, or whatever. They're yeah. just doing the shiny bits. The shiny bits. So they're which aren't at, even necessarily real no, at all. No. So yeah. that's the thing as well. It's it's separating yeah. real life from social media life per se. And do you find that that's what the young people say? Do, uh, We've heard that so many times. Oh, look, don't believe everything mm. you see or whatever. Do you think the young people get that now? Yeah, um, I suppose to an extent. I think it's a, it's something that just has to be constantly reinforced. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're good enough. Yeah, and the fact that everybody's different, every every child is different. No bo- two bodies are no, the same. No, and it's it's exploring, you know, we're sitting down and like w- everyone is different. Where, where's your strengths? You know, that yeah. idea of that there was research done by an Australian guy, uh, academic, and he went in, he was going into, what was it, he was, he brought adults, 4,000 or 5,000 adults from Australia who had left school, you know, maybe 20 years, and he wanted, he asked, there was two questions, um, 
think of a teacher who's made a profound impact in your life. You can still remember this day and wh- why are you picking that teacher? And the big thing, the overwhelming thing came back was the, the reason most teachers were picked was because they believed in me. They saw something in me that I, I didn't know I had. So that idea of helping children uncover their strengths is so so important and then giving them giving them the opportunities to to live them strengths i just think it's it's just an under yeah. undervalued sort of idea yeah and it's such a gift that you and you probably don't even realize yeah. but those good teachers you do remember it is because they took you to the side and they saw something in you and they believed in you yeah. even when you had that I doubt saw a brilliant thing in a, a school Cross Gar Cedar Integrated. I'm going to say shout out to them, but it was it was a tree of strengths. So it was P7 class. So the teacher had like all branches, which were representative of either areas of the curriculum or character strengths, or you know, so you might have had kindness, numeracy, literacy, all different things. And when a child uncovered a strength, they put their name on, you know, on a teacher went with them, found it out, put it on a branch. Oh, that's lovely. But she was a genius because beside it was a, a help me please poster. So if a, another child was struggling with a particular area, they wrote their name and then the child whose corresponding strength related to that went over and help them. So you're creating a culture of leadership in the classroom as well. And it meant the teacher didn't have to do and it. And a culture <laughs> of asking for help if asking you need for it help. and being able to give help. 100%. Knowing that your strength can help others, so not just you. So some of the, yeah, some of the, some of the, the practices I'm seeing within schools are just uh, are fantastic. It's incredibly uplifting. And yeah. It's been very uplifting talking to you mm-hmm. here today. It actually fills me with optimism, which is um, something that the world lacks at times yeah. these days. But what's next for you, Cormac, and hip psychology? Um, hip psychology, what's next? Well, I mentioned the long-term uh, plans are going deeper. Maybe I'd like maybe to possibly get across over to England or um, go down south as well. So it's trying to broaden or reach um randomly as well of of uh plans end open up a glamping pod f- glamping facility and a uh, family space in Tundrum. so sounds lovely yeah too. yes but that's not related to hip psychology i guess but yeah so that you have to have some downtime away from work too mm. and maybe that's a, a different a different avenue for you yeah well i do as i mentioned there i've to do crossfit that keeps the health leg strong mm-hmm. uh, I do improv which is fun with friends that keeps the the triple F leg strong I, I coach Dundrum under 13s which still that helps keep the health that you're con- reconnecting to the community so then obviously you have your, your work side of things so I'm trying to I mentioned that table stable analogy it's something I'm a big believer in and in every single week trying to do things that that keep that keep my table stable as such well it sounds like you're incredibly busy so you must have to make uh, choices and mm. decisions to make sure that the yeah the fun and the friends yeah. and the family and all of the other the sports yeah I like, happens. I, like i wouldn't be i wouldn't be by any stretch of the imagination and my mum will probably be listening to this like i'm <laughs> by no way the most organized person like um <laughs> i'll spend a good bit of my life chasing the tail to be honest but yeah it is i've, I've got better at it as i've got busier i've got better at it um and I do try to not non-negotiables. I think that's a bit of a an extreme, but try to try to cement certain boundaries. Boundaries yeah. cement certain things in at certain times yeah. that I do them. This is happening. This is happening. It, for me, it has to go in the diary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's happening. Yeah. But that's amazing because you, we started out with the conversation today uh, around the wisdom that you I got from your granny and being grateful. Do you feel grateful? Yeah. Every yeah, day. Yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like have to work at it. S- you do have to work at it. Sometimes, like sometimes things 
don't go according to plan and you're yeah. you beat yourself up and even like um <laughs> I sent out of that children's mental health week I was telling you but I sent out the wrong link for, for one of the workshops oh. and I only realised at five to eleven so oh. and then that, that evening you're beating yourself up but then like I thought to myself, hold on a minute here, that's one mistake. You've you've hip psychology has had a positive impact on five thousand children across this week. Let's let's think let's about just that. Do that one, yeah. And everybody makes mistakes. We yeah. we haven't been replaced by robots yet. No, hundred so, percent. Yeah. <laughs> no, hopefully we won't be. Now, the purpose of this podcast, Cormac, is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering an insight into the success of businesses such as hip psychology. Mm. So, what advice would you give then to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? Yeah, that's, that's a really, really good question. Um, I I suppose the first thing is, uh, I'm very lucky to be, f- like, our business is aligning two things. It's aligning my passions and my strengths. So I suppose I'm very lucky to be living that, that idea of your why. So if you're if you are passionate about something and your gut's telling you, I think, to go for it. Um, there is, there's an image I've seen, I don't know if, you're, if you've heard of this or seen this, sir, but there's like a, a, a mummy bird and a, a baby bird in the nest and the baby bird turns to the mummy bird and is like oh, what, what if I fall and the mummy bird turns around and says well what if you fly Yeah, you know so there's that element of things um, and secondly like I there's people out there as well that will help you definitely like everyone who's been successful in business and has has had to They've had to be that person starting out, and ninety nine percent of them will remember that. So, if there's someone that you feel you need to reach out to or chat to, or who, who's who's walked the path maybe you want to walk, get in touch with them. Like one of the getting support. Like I went through a program. I'll give them a shout out here. Actually, Ulster Bank Entrepreneur Accelerator Program. So, John Ferris, Matthew Teague, and, and uh, Gabby. Uh, there's three um, three great coaches that were part of that. And part of that was giving you the skills, tool set, and understanding of what it takes to run a business. So if you maybe don't understand, you can get yourself educated. It's like the two trees in the classroom again. I need help. This is my my strength. strength And And there are people there that want to help. Yeah. There you go. It all... We've all come full circle. It comes full circle, sir. <laughs> it does, Cormac. <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking it's, to you today. Oh, it's been and, a pleasure, um, You know, good luck with hip psychology. And, you know, you're making a real difference. You said you wanted to make a difference to the future of society. That's what drives you. And it sounds like you're doing just that. So thank you so much for joining me in the Public Eye podcast. And we'll be back again soon. Thanks for listening. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.